What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. And before we jump into today's conversation with Benny Legacy, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews we get, the more it helps new people find the show. And it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes and to everybody listening. Make sure you screenshot this, post it to your Instagram story, tag at my social life podcast and at Benny Legacy. And I'll make sure I feature you on the account and send you a message as well. Now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Benny Legacy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and today I'm joined by Benny Legacy. Benny's an entrepreneur. He's a personal trainer. He has his own clothing company called Lift Your Legacy, and he's been crushing on Instagram lately, growing his Instagram, doubling it in the last 12 months, if I'm not mistaken, from around 16,000 to over 32,000 followers today. And I'm really excited to have him here on the podcast to talk about it. Benny, welcome to the show. What's going on, boss man? I got to shake your hand for that one. I know you guys can probably maybe see that, maybe not. But thanks so much for having me. I mean, that was a, that's a very honorable introduction. Um, sometimes you don't think about your accomplishments or what you're trying to push until someone else says it like that. So thanks for having me. I'm more than excited to be with this guy. I've seen you. I've been following you now for some time on social media. I know we touched base about a year ago. And I know like I've just seen you kill it. So I'm like, this is the time I got to capture. I got to get this guy when he's hot, you know, before he forgets who I am. So <laughs> no, I appreciate you having me here today, man. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here. Absolutely. And man. where I want to start, so I think a tone among this conversation is going to be legacy. For so sure. I want to start with your name. So is legacy your actual last name? Okay, this is great. So legacy dun, 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 is not my actual last name. Okay. It's my middle name. So it's part of my middle name. So my father is Chinese, which gives me my, la- my real last name, which is Wong. And my mother is Italian from Potenza, which gives me the, le- the legacy, which is Legacci. Okay. So my uncle, my grandfather's name was Bonaventura, which meant like good adventure. So you transfer that down the lineage and it's Legacci. So Bonaventura Legacci, good adventure, good legacy. So that's kind of, it's on my, my driver's license for those that wanted to know. So I just felt like it was part of me and I had to get it out, right? Like it was just, it meant more to me than even my surname, as crazy as that sounds, Yeah. you know? So it's, it's a, that's a bit deeper, but mm-hmm. I think like, I think our names are given to us and like <clears throat> our legacy is determined really by what fuels us as a, as a passion, right? And it's like, if we look at the lineage of why we got our names, sometimes they weren't the right reasons. Right. And I feel like we all have the opportunity to recreate ourselves. So that, that's kind of why I wanted to put that there. That's interesting. So when did you start kind of having that mindset where you started focusing more so on Benny legacy? Like when did you start putting that out publicly? Okay. So a few years ago, about 2013, I started to uh, compete in men's physique in the Ontario Physique Association, which is now the Canadian Physique Association. And I needed, I knew I needed to brand myself somehow. Right. So I actually launched led launched legend fitness and health with a buddy of mine who's an Aaron legend in Toronto. All right. We worked together for many years. And then at that point I realized like I wanted to focus more on the legacy of, of who I was. So what we branched off, he kept the legend. I kept the legacy. And I realized it was just more part of me, man. It wasn't so much about like, I want to be known by everybody. Like, Oh, this guy, I just wanted to actually be a good person. You know, like where if I die today or tomorrow, like people come. Right. And so 
it was cool. I felt like people wanted this new, this new person to follow, especially in the gym industry in Ottawa, because it was just, it was fresh, right? Like now everyone's competing, but five years ago, I, I was in the bathroom posing and people were like, dude, what are you doing? Right? Like, and I was like, no, I swear it's going to be hot. And now it's hot, right? So yeah. that's it, man. That's, that was the major one, I would think. Mm-hmm. It just made me, I realized I could brand around it. And that word on its own, man, is powerful, it right? Is. Like, think about five years ago. No one said legacy. Like, very rarely did anyone say your legacy matters. And now you're hearing in, like, news, you're hearing movie stars. People are naming songs about it, right? And it's like, now people are recognizing the real potential of life. And it's the loss of the legacy. It's the loss of what we don't do when we're here. You know, and for me, like this goes into, I know that this goes driving away from that. This goes into like what fuels me as a human man. And it's the operation being operative, right? Like you think about how we came to this point in day in our life, especially as, especially as like a male and female. Okay. Like we all have an operative task. And like, I feel like when we flee from that task, because it's challenging, because like our peers think it's stupid or because like in our head, you know, that inner child goes like, dude, someone's going to laugh at you, you know? And then you look in the mirror and you're like, you get so frustrated and you're like, dude, like this is my one chance, you know, like, will I be able to compete when I'm 40? Maybe, but will it be at the same effectiveness as if I do it now? No. Right. And like, say you launch a podcast in like 20 years, will people think about it the same way in 20 years or than they do now? Absolutely not. Right. So like, that's. That's where it was, man. That word challenged my actual DNA makeup where I want to sit on the couch and, you know, things were becoming cool back then. Weed was becoming cool, like bad things, you know, like drugs. Everything was everything was becoming idolized if you did that. And like I went down that path a little bit. Then I realized I'm like, dude, this is so not you. Right. Like this is like the biggest blasphemy, your history and your lineage, grandpa, grandma. If they saw you now, what would they think? Right. Like, this is what we did immigration for. This is what we did, you know, crappy work for, for life, for my kids to go get smashed, you know? And I hope that resonates with some people, right? That have had, you know, an easy come up and they think it's going to get easier because, you know, we got to get stronger more. And that word legacy, it can be yours, man. That's why I call it that legacy family because I feel like growing up, it was tough to find people that thought like this. You know, I don't, they, they kind of think you're, you're depressed or you, you're, you, you're in your head too much or like, man, life's too short to think like that. Right. And it's like, but how do we get here? You know, and that's, that's why, like, I was grateful to run, like you wanted to do this. Right. Because I feel like you're very like-minded in the aspect that you're very progressive. You're very operational, right? You got big brands behind you and you're doing big things in the city and you're so young, man. Like if I thought like you did at your age, holy crap, where would I be now? Right, I'm 29, you're 22, right? Mm-hmm. And like, props to this guy, man. Props to this guy. So, thank you. I, I hope appreciate you, that. Yeah, I hope that gives you a little bit of background on that. Right? Yeah. I know it's all over the place. No, that's so. good. That's good. But yeah. one thing you said that I kind of want to unpack a little bit is you talked about how when people are wanting to do certain things, but they're worried about what the outside perception will be. Like, people laughing at them, and like, maybe they want to leave a certain legacy, but they're too worried about what other people are going to think. Yeah. So, what do you tell those people when? They want to start something. Maybe it's vlogging. Maybe it's their own podcast. Maybe it's like you back 2012, 2013, you're taking photos in the gym where that's not normal. Like, what do you tell people where they want to do something, but they're worried about the opinion of others? That's deep. We got time, right? That's okay. No, I'm kidding. This goes deep, man. So because I, I, I personally think like, I'll give you even a little more in depth details, right? So my, my background is nutrition from Ottawa U and 
we learned that like how generational conditioning affects our ability to perform right here, right now. So what happened 500 years ago matters today. People are like, oh man, it won't matter in 500 years. Absolutely it does. This is why we move, we think, we operate the way we do. You know what I mean? Like 500 years ago, humans spent 80% of their day outside. Fast forward 500 years, 90% of our day is spent inside. So do we really connect with things around us? Very little, right? And so to tie back to people wanting to obtain their goal but are fearful, this has been coached to me from another mentor. So like if you're watching, I'm not taking credit for it, okay? There, I was referring back to it there. It's called operational psychology. And this is changing not only my life, man, on a day-to-day basis, but I'm going to push it hard because I know it can change many people's lives. And it's everyone has an operation. We have a sole purpose here, okay? When you lie to that purpose, it, it, it kills you, man. It's called spiritual suicide. So, okay, I'm a trainer, man, but I want to be in the NBA, right? Well, Benny, I'm not six foot six, you know, and I'm not you know, able to jump 100 feet high, right? So the first thing that was really hard for me was narrating the conversation, the dialogue in my head when it comes to those topics, okay? So it's like, I want to be a famous podcaster. And then all of a sudden in your head, you're like, yeah, but bro, there's like a million podcasters out there with exponential amount of finances behind them, marketing teams, you know, like how are you ever going to make it, right? So the way I purpose that in my head is like, I shelf it. I created shelves. So like for anyone that's like, oh man, I want to be, you know, I want to compete, but I'm like 50 pounds overweight, right? Well, let's compartmentalize, let's like section those thoughts a little bit, right? So it's like, okay, man, I look at it three ways. There's myself, Benny, okay, the guy standing in front of the mirror. Then there's me in the mirror, who's the inner child that has those desires, but's riddled with fears and insecurities. The third party is the narrator, which could be you, okay? So... When people first talk to themselves, the first thing to do, man, is say you, you want to run a 5K, you want to drop 30, 40 pounds, you know, you want a girlfriend. I got guys that come to me, come to me man, that haven't gotten a hug from a girlfriend in 10, from a girl in 10 years. You know, like imagine your only encounter with the opposite partner or if, right, the same, same, uh, same sex, your only engagement with them was a handshake day to day. How sad is that, right? And so to underline that fear, man, it's like, Imagine you write down, you, I do this for myself, man. I write down what is killing me inside, right? Like, you know, crazy things, man. Like you're not here, you're not here, you haven't done this, this guy's done that. Okay, okay, I write it down, right? And then what I do is I imagine a third person, a third party sitting there in a conversation, right? Like we are right now. And I imagine the camera is the inner child. And I'm talking to you right now and I'm literally saying like, dude, like you're not good enough. Like, you're fat. Like, you put on 50 pounds. As you, the narrator, would you ever say that to a child? Would you ever go to a child and be like, you're a piece of crap, man. Like, look what you did. You failed that. No wonder you didn't get that girl. Like, that's what we, that's that inner dialogue we talk to ourselves every day. So why I called it lifting your legacy, man, is because we need to literally lift that dark cloud off of us. And genetically, there are people that are predispositioned with things like depression. It's not fake for those saying it's fake. Bipolarism, it's not fake. Schizophrenia, these are all hypertension in the brain. These are all things that are causing our brain to think too much, okay? So with these people, man, I always say it's so key to find what your your task needs to be, 
right? So we were talking about video games, right? And like I got homies that play video games, you know, they got, they, they're doing well, they're, they're working as well and everything. But then, you know, their wife nags on them for playing an hour of video games at night when, you know, you could do this, you could do that. Trust me, like I get that, right? You know what I mean? So what I'm trying to get at is everyone has a different facilitation for their day. And it's really important not to compare that to people. Okay, so you can see people that lost 100 pounds, right? And now they're 100 pounds lighter, but you're looking at your own journey to lose 30 pounds as ridiculously impossible. Okay, even though there's evidence other people have done it. So the first thing everyone should do when it comes to goal setting, and I did goal setting wrong my whole 20s, man. I literally, because I didn't know how to do it. And it, it took someone wiser than me and me to let down my pride as a fitness guy. Fitness guys have horrible pride. That's why we're in the gym all the time, to prove that we're strong, you know? But then I, when we dissect fit, a lot of gym goers' lifestyles, there's a lot of holes everywhere. And I've only say this because I've been a trainer for 10 years at Good Life since, 19, uh, since 2009, and it's going to be 2020, right? So I've had to decipher, like, what makes someone achieve their goal? Because personal training is not just fat loss or working out. It's like, imagine you train someone for five years and they only put on weight. You know how defeating that is, right, for both parties? So... The first, first thing is, man, is when you're talking to yourself and, you and you're, you're pre-defining that goal, it's like how you have game time notes, right? You've already thought about what it is you want to obtain and how you're going to go about it, okay? Most people have, a, have this goal, like I want to drop 40 pounds. They don't know the first step. So that step in between is what crushes people right away, right? Because then you hear all those negative talks like how are you going to do it man you don't even go to the tread you can't even do five minutes on the treadmill you don't know how to cook eggs properly like all these thoughts these are things that are brought to me and i'm like fuck man you excuse me you spend too much time in your head really realistic right now so the key is find your goal so you want to lose 30 pounds how are you operatively gonna lose 30 pounds in that time frame you need you know a pound two pounds three pounds a week how are you going to do that right so the key is you're going to have a different operation you need to figure out step-by-step step in your day-in-day -day life, what it is going to do, what steps you're going to take every day to get to that point. Now, the major purpose of this whole thing is to refer back to how do you stop like that negative talk? How do you per push for that goal when you feel it's too much, right? Mm -hmm. Last one, I know, sorry, I'm rambling on right That's now because this point here is super key, man. The operational psychology portion of any goal is more important than the goal itself because what it is, is it's like this is the pattern Say, for example, someone's got $1,000 of debt, okay, and they want to pay it off in one year. So you put $90 a month away to that. Strategically, in the year, that, that $1,000 is paid off, you know? Of course, there's no interest or anything, right? That's the real game plan. So throughout that process, you're going to have friends that message you. Yo, let's go to Ch movie, Cheap Tuesday. Let's go to uh, get some wings at St. Louis. It's Thursday, half price. You're going to have to say no. Right? You're going to have to say, we're going to have to say no. And that pain in our stomach is what resets that operative mo emotion in our body as to why we're doing what we're doing. Right? So I read this crazy quote, man. And they said, men are not men anymore in 2020. And this is from a guy named Andy Fr Frizilla. Okay? Yeah. You remember that dude? Right? Probably some motivation for both of us. You know, sometimes you're like, okay, I got to get up and get rolling. And he was saying that men are not men. And I was like, dude, that's really, that's really not nice to say anymore. You know, like we're in 2020. It's a very socialistic world. But the problem with that is they're messing with minds, dude. They're messing with the clear cut black and white portions of life. 
right? So like we are operational. If a man sits here all day, if we sit here all day, man or woman, and watch TV and we know there's a million other things we need to do, depression sets on because we're not actually moving, right? So the first step I can say to anybody that has that goal is take that step, man. Take that first step. Like when people consult about their training, like of course, like the pricing is like, you know, training is becoming a higher expense. It's more of a luxury now than a necessity, right? In the long term. And so I'm seeing like people have this, this first thing to overcome is like finances, right? And like, how do you overcome that with somebody? That's why I refer back to money lots because like you got to break down all the things they think they need to obtain the goal and really show them what they need, right? Find the real operation. Do you need that coffee with the three creams and three sugars every morning? No, because it's costing you $3.50, costs you 30 minutes of time to go online and wait for it. And that time you could make the coffee, go to the gym, do 20, 30 minutes of cardio, you're on your way to work, said and done, you save money and you're, you're losing fat, right? You're burning energy, right, for, for that process. So that's the big one, man, is finding the operational focus. When we operate, we fight off all the inner child doubts because we're doing it, right? When someone's never bicep curled before or squat, right? With a bar, it's, that's fucking scary for some, some people. I'd say 80% of my clients are, are females and it's just because we get along, I talk a lot, that's why, right? That's probably why they want to hear me. So I'm to, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But the reality is, is like, it's like a lot of them don't want to squat, right? They're like, oh man, I think my, I told if I lift weights, I'm going to get huge. I'm like, well, I mean, like Arnold's only been lifting for 40, 50 years to get that size. Like if you do it like that, maybe you will, right? So when they squat, it's like they get that, they're on the fifth rep and they, I see it in their eyes. They get this rush, like the kid, the kid knows he can do it. The kid knows she can do it again. And it's because they're doing it, right? It's like the cellular, the molecular cycle is rotating, right? So to bring it back to even a deeper level, cells go one or two ways, left or right, okay? That's like, you heard things like amino acids, so they're all L-glutamine, L-carnitine, L-arginine, which means they're left rotating molecules. They're anti-aging molecules. So these micronutrients we put in our body actually help heal our body, okay? Whereas things that are right-spilling molecules, unfortunately, I'm drinking one right now, caffeine, sugar, right? These emphasize the rotation of our cells. So this is why you look at kids that go take a drink a big glass of orange juice and then they sit down at a desk and their teacher's like, write this paper and the kid running around everywhere, right? Because, and then they're diagnosed with attention and deficit disorder, ADD, but they, the basic people don't understand how the biomolecular composition is happening internally in the kid. The cells are rotating right, which is speeding up time in their body. So it's aging them faster. This is why they want to move. They need to do things, right? So the, operate, the operative task for you or for me is to find where the cell can keep going backwards but forward at the same time without hyper spinning in either direction. You don't want to become lazy, but you don't want to become too much to the point where you're moving with no purpose. Right? And like, I think that's where it comes down to for goal setting, man, is truly isolating what the goal is and how to get it. And being real with it, man. Yeah. Being real with it. And you mentioned like the most important step is taking that first step. So I kind of want to go back a little bit. When did you start lifting weights then for the first time? What put you in the gym? Cool, man. That's a great question. Like, uh, always active sports. Soccer was my main one, right? So weight didn't matter. Actually, I want, always wanted to be lighter, right? But like growing up, I think I hit puberty super late. So they called it like a reverse adult adulting. So adultism. So it's like 
I hit puberty like the summer of 16, uh, when I turned 16. So you can imagine like kids were growing, they were getting bigger. I stayed short, like five, seven, like for my height now, relative for my height now. And I, I, I got fat, man. I got fat. I didn't grow out of, um, the childhood fat. Right. And so you can imagine you go to high school, people are growing, girls are getting bigger, you know, everything's moving and you're still the same kid as you were in grade seven and eight. Right. So because I went to a bigger high school, you run into a bigger jungle, which has mixed people. So more liabilities in a, in a way. Right. And I remember kids, these two brothers, I still remember their name. I don't say it, but these guys used to bully the shit out of me, like literally kick my car door closed. They dented my brand new car when I first got it. They used to put gum under my handles and they used to pour whiskey on my, my windshield and put uh, newspaper on that on my house where I slept at night. They would come to my house and do it. And to the point where my parents were like, dude, like, what's going on, man? Like, why are people bullying you so much? So pretty much what happened, man, is I worked at Giant Tiger. They opened up the first gym in Embrun, and it was called Le Gym, the gym. And it was by two brothers, all right? I went in, I was 15 years old, the summer 2005. And I applied, and they're like, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 15. They're like, there's no way you can work here. It's a gym, right? So I literally told the guy, I was like, Dan, I still remember his name. Uh, Mike and Dan were the owners. Um, I was like, Dan, like, I'll do anything, man. I'll clean toilets. Like, it's cool with me. I just want to be in the gym, right? And I always loved weights because my oldest brother lifted a lot of weights and he got a lot of girls. That's the, uh, one of the original, you know, inspirations. Yeah. I didn't get girls, man. Girls walked, like, they would walk right by me. Like, they wouldn't say hi to me. They, some of them times, they would noogie me, man. Remember, you're, you're 15, 16, and girls giving you a noogie. You're like damn, man, I'm doing the wrong thing here, right? So that was the big one, man. Um, and it was the inspiration of my siblings, my lineage, looking at what they went through, their injuries, their sports, and I wanted to be strong. I realized physical strength was what provided me confidence because it's what I lacked growing up. So again, an insecurity, isolating the insecurity. Um, and so like from 15 to 16, I started working there in the gym and I never left working at a gym after that, man. Like it, I spent two and a half years there and then they sold the gym to another owner who was a bodybuilder. This is where her name was Michelle Levesque and uh, I know her, her daughter Holly still and it was pretty cool because Michelle adopted a, a Chinese kid and I thought it was cool because like my dad was Chinese, right? And so I got really close to her because I just had this like tribalism kind of trust, you know what I mean? Like... And she was like, she was like, dude, like you can do it. You can get bigger. Like, don't believe in that. Right. And I was like, imagine having someone fill your brain with that opposed to like a teacher saying that's not realistic. You're, that's not possible. That's not how it's done. Don't be silly. Like imagine the, the conditioning difference, right? Rich get richer, the poor get poorer. You know what I mean? So like, that's how my mindset developed from Michelle. Um, and then from there, I just took it to good life, man. And when I got into good life, I saw the, the physical beasts that were there male and female and that's what fired me up i was like i think this is the realm i need to be in because i know operatively when i when i feel stronger when i see myself in the mirror changing you know they call the pump or something when i see that physically emotionally i feel happier you can call it like your own way to fight depression or leveling off with yourself is what i call it so the weights men are super humble mm -hmm. they never lie all right true. they never lie right you grab that 100 pound dumbbell and fuck this thing's heavy man you know the only one who lies is us to ourselves, grabbing the weight be like i did that last week it's going to be easier this week well did you do things that were 
going to make you better from week one week to one week? Or are you just relying on the, the hope that you did it once, you can do it again? Mm-hmm. Right? And I think many people do that. You know, they had one successful relationship. They jump to the next one. They think it's going to be the same way. Or jobs, they think it's the same way. They forget to adapt. They lose their, operative, their operating task, right? Mm-hmm. And the gym just held me accountable, man. It was like, fuck, man, you suck today. Excuse my language. You're poor today, right? And then you really assess. You're like, yeah, well, you ate like crap. You know, you didn't drink a lot of water. Maybe I had too much alcohol. And like that was just me leveling with myself. Otherwise, I'd believe my own lies, which a lot of us do right now, right? So like that's where one of the biggest things my clients say, man, is I will like sometimes they're on the ground and they like they're just looking up. And I know at that moment, that's the moment I look for every workout, which is the self-realization moment that operatively I'm either doing better or worse in life. And these things are not important and these things are. That's why they say when you see have a near-life death experience, your whole perception on the world changes, right? You see like, you know, you look at people that are locally grown and born, they can't get their Starbucks coffee one day, they're upset about it, right? You know, you look at people that came over here from different countries, man, it's like, fuck, they get a coffee once a month, they're like, yes, like, I got a coffee, this is precious, right? And so for me, I was like, where's the operative difference in the brain? Like, why do some people so ungrateful and some people so grateful, right? You know, and then... Because it's not important about them, it's important about myself and yourself. It was like the weights taught me to be grateful for the fact that I can train, I'm still healthy, you know? And if you sprain your ankle, like it was such a turnoff, right? I can't even lift a weight anymore. Then it's like, see, you complaining is leading you to a path which is not truly your operating task. Like you won't be content, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the weights, man. They held me accountable, kept me humble. And I see how they change other people's lives. So like... I don't know if I'm always going to be in a gym. I don't know if I'm always going to be lifting weights. Like there's a time frame, right? I think in the aspect of um, reaching maximum potential and growth. But what I see on the flip side, like so when people are like 60 or 70 and they've been training for 30, 40 years, it's the only thing that's kept them straight line, streamlined, right? You know, like how you say like at the end of your night, you want to blast an hour of a couple of games, right? That keeps you streamlined, man, you know? And so like that, like to one person, it's like, oh, that's lazy, yeah, but if we try to operate in what they think is not lazy, man, we're going to be really bad. We're going to suck in all avenues, right? So that's hard. In your 20s, I find like anyone who's in their 20s right now, especially growing up with social media, you got to realize social media is a tool. It's an operative tool, right? Like it is designed to, it's an insecurity bot, right? And then they pump you a product that you can buy in order to, you know? So I like podcasts like this because we're not selling anything. We're just cutting the shit out and we're just, we're being real with each other, right? Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that, man. Yeah. One thing you talked about there that I really like is like mindset. And you talked yeah. about how you started at the gym. She was feeding you with like positive reinforcement where school, you're not getting that positive reinforcement. And I think mindset is everything and that self-talk is everything. Do you do anything in terms of like affirmations, like writing down your goals? Because like some people say, if you like write down your goals and you say them out loud, that you're going to achieve them just by writing them down that increases the ability of you achieving your goals. Is that anything that you do? Do you have like a vision board or anything or anything where you map your goals down on paper or anything like that? So like, that's a good one. I, I personally don't. And I think it's probably a weakness of mine. You know, I'm, I'm openly honest about it, but on the other hand, it's like there's different operations. So what I mean by that is like, do I get more out of my day if I wake up in the morning and write down my goals or do I get more out of my day if I get up in the morning and I go straight for me anyways personally I run straight to the gym with no questions asked I invest 30 to 45 minutes on myself right away because I preach that in my day 
right? And then I come back and my mind is clear and I know what I need to do. I know how I need to operate. So there are other people, like I remember reading, uh, listening to Elon Musk, right? He would say for many times he would wake up, write the things he, he wants to envision. He wants to dream them as they, they, you know, law of attraction. In my eyes, man, what that law of attraction is, is it's reconfirming our operative, our operative, our operating tasks for that day. Okay. So like when someone says like, okay, like, you know, I got to do my laundry. I got a meal prep. You know, I got to get to work on time. Those things it's reconfirming in their brain, the things they need to do in order to feel good at the end of their day. Right. So it's just, everyone has a different, a different way. Personally, like I think I use Instagram and my social out, outputs out my out, uh, my social network mm-hmm. tools, my apologies in order to reconfirm my goals all the time. You know, it's like, so tangibly, I don't write them down. I've been very bad at that. But like, I like to do, man. I like to do. If I'm sitting down for more than, you know, a little bit, like this is good. But if I'm sitting there like brainstorming and stuff, I'm like, dude, like, okay, let's move around a little bit. But not to shoot at anyone that does that. Like, I, you know, if you've got a dream board and you, and you need to reconfirm your process for that day in order for the dream to come true, you better be writing it down every day. You, like if you're not going to, if we're not going to hold ourselves accountable to the first step that recommits the brain to the process, that's going to help us achieve the end goal, which gives us the desire of, of long-term contentment, then that's where we fail, right? On that one, you know? And the other one too, man, is like, uh, I think a big one is just not, not like writing it down, but like trusting the process. Too many people don't trust the process because they look for the most fleeting emotion we have, which is happiness, right? So do you remember Johnson & Johnson? Mm -hmm. The company came out in 1970, right? Post-war, World War II, 1949, 20 years later, you know, hippie stuff started coming around, stuff like that, right? You look at the lineage. My parents are a bit older. They're They're from the 50s. So it's so nice to be able to, my dad had me when he was 41. So like, it's nice to be able to squish those generations in one and have a conversation about it, right? And the craziest thing is like these companies pr- produce this mass marketing message about happiness is the most important thing, right? But what they failed to tell everyone is because happiness is not the most important thing. And I'm, I've, if you look at some of my previous YouTube videos, I only have like five or six or some of my posts from years ago. I would say, don't do anything that doesn't make you happy, okay? I even bought onto it, right? Which is where I lost progress in my journey, in my legacy. I lost footsteps, okay? Because I got distracted by a fleeting emotion. For example, I'll give you a prime example. You go to a girl, you have a girlfriend, I've got a girlfriend, or a boyfriend, or whichever one. You get them a flower, okay? Beautiful rose, it just bloomed. That emotion right away, kind gesture, beautiful flower, it's blooming, it's nature, we feel good about it, right? And then like what happens, man, the day later, say for example, all the petals fall off, right? Overnight, and then the the flower dies, does like a 180 degree dip down. You wake up and you right away feel like all that happiness left you. You know, it's like, it's gone. Because they taught us another thing to attach our happiness to materialism, right? Like this product will make you happy. But the process of obtaining the product is what makes us happy. The ability to know we can obtain the product because we followed a process is what makes us happy. The good one, man, my mom, because Italians are philosophers, all right? They were, they're painters, they're 
they like they love sculpting human bodies. You remember all the Greek statues and Roman statues and everything. They and so the crazy thing I was saying, like she was saying to me, was like, you know, when when we were uh, we were four kids, right? And she was a stay home mom. She had a bio, biology a master's in biology. She was taught in her and my dad met at Concordia University as professors. Okay, so she could have taught for years, right? But she decided she was like, listen, what's my operative task? as a human right now, and it was to take care of her kids, right? Part of her knew that she got extreme contentment from going to work. Like, yes, I'm free, I'm me, I'm independent, right? But then she knew operatively when she came home, there was a lot of things that gap, were gapping from her major task in life that provided her long-term contentment, which was the family, mm-hmm. okay? So when I said to her, I was like, mom, did you want to cook a cook a big ass a big dinner and a and a dessert for all of us for 30 years and she was like no I didn't there are days where I was like it's four o'clock and she's like fucking no one's eating tonight and I was like damn right but then she was like but then when I had everyone at the dinner table she was like I would curse all my kids names and my husband's names when I'm chopping the onions you cut the onions you cut this right I'm prepping the meat no you prep the meat in her head all this talk in her head. And then she said, the, the switch when she realized it was all worth it is when everyone was sitting at the table and eating. And she could see her kids laughing and joking. She saw her husband eating. You know, he was out all day working. Like, this is, not, this is using them as a 1950 couple, right? So, operatively, she didn't want to actually do that task. But she, she did it because she knew that was what gave her the biggest form of gratification at the end of it all. Right. So I think that's the big one, man. It's just isolating like what it is. And that's tough, dude, with social media, because we look at ourselves so much at other people. Right. And then the big thing I've always said with social media is less is more. I think Garvey kind of quoted this, too. He was saying less is more. And what that means is he, they, he was running studies on 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 some social studies, how the more people spend on social media. OK, predominantly Instagram podcasts are different because there's content. Instagram is a very like subliminal message, a bit of marketing content, and then a link to fall for the trap. No offense, okay? Right? So that's just what it is. And then so what what they're what they were like, what I found, man, was just that it was creating internal talk. Okay? Internal talk is good and it's bad. Right? So the more we sit on our, our cell phone and we're like always looking on it, right? What is the first thing we're doing? It's comparative. We're always comparing ourselves. Think about the most successful athletes. They don't even have social media. Why? Because they can't be bothered by another process that doesn't lead to them to getting the gray cup. Mm-hmm. My uncle, you're going to love this one, is, well, my mom's brother is Wally Buono. Oh, no way. Yeah, so Buono, same last name. Buonaventura was my grandfather's name. So he was like, you, you're a CFL guy, so you know him, right? So this guy coached like Stan Peters. So many times he wanted to be the player. So many times he wanted to be the player, right? And he was like, dude, I want to make it so bad. He would, he would tell family that he would do anything for it. And they told him, you're a dreamer, dude. Like, you're short. You're not fast. You're not big. What are you going to do, man? These guys are going to crush you. So he became a punter for Montreal Alouettes. Hey, man, whatever. You got in there somehow, right? So already he crushed the doubt, you know, which his leadership was saying he couldn't do, okay? And then secondly, 
he ended up becoming the most winningest coach while being a general manager for the BC Lions, right? Like he kind of designed that whole strategy to bring his whole staff wherever he goes. Like he'd like American college and, and Canadian football that, you know, the crazy stuff. And um, I work with some of his ex-players now uh, at my facility. And they said like, dude, this guy's mentality was the best mentality. He was so positive, but then he'd hard undercut you with reality. Like, dude, you can be the best CFL player, but you lack this, you lack that, but doesn't mean you can't be it, right? So right away, there's like a good coach because a bad coach is someone that misleads somebody, whether it be the wrong way or the highway. Like, you know what I mean? You could do this, right? So those are different things. Um, And then the craziest thing he said to me is like, about listening to positive mentorship, going back to your question there, is they really, really have a huge detrimental conditioning on us. Like, we don't even know it, right? Your, teach, your parents tell you to believe your teacher. So when you go to school, your teacher's Captain America. I still play basketball with my high school basketball coach every Sunday, okay, um, at 6 p.m. at our old high school, all right? Mr. Leffler, Danek is his name. And it, the funniest thing is it hit me the other day is he was like, we were talking about it, and he was like, you know, I was teaching in Algonquin when I was 21 as a professor, I looked at him, I was like, you were 21 teaching in Algonquin as a professor? He's like, yeah, man, first year out of teacher's college. How old were you teaching us? And he was like, I was 24, right? So here I am, 18 years old, 17 years old, thinking my 24-year-old teacher knows the world. Now I'm 29, I'm like, damn, uh uh-uh, you know what I mean? And like, you're 22, you know more now than a 24-year-old knew 10 years ago, just because how evolution's working, right? We're forced to learn. We're forced to grow, right? So those are different things. And um, that's why, like, so for, like, mentorship, it's key, man. With Wally Buono, he had The Rock try out for him, okay? Calgary St. Peter's. This was a family joke, dude. He said he's never seen a more unathletic, unagile, uncoordinated, massive monster in his life. But he knew The Rock was not meant for football, and he told him that. He's like, dude, you got bright stars ahead of you. It's just not here. Look where that guy is today. Imagine if my uncle felt bad for him and just drafted him. You know, he's like, I feel bad for you, man. You know, you're athletic. You look like you work hard, but you suck at this sport. I'll draft you anyways. Guy blows out his knee, rips his shoulder off or something. He would have never been who he is today. The highest paid Hollywood actor, right? So one door closing is not a bad thing. We just have to know our operating tasks. We have to break it back down to to knowing. So when a teacher tells you, like, I don't know what average high school teachers make. I don't know. No right? So I'm not even going to shoot shots at it. But I remember my grade six teacher, when I went back to school for the alumni basketball game, he had told me, he was like, um, dude, like, what do you do for a living? I was like, oh, I'm a personal trainer. And he had told me, he was like, no, but what are you going to do for a living? And I was like, I was like 20. And I'm like, what do you mean? Right? He's like, well, you can't personal train forever, man. Like, what about if you want to have a family or kids? And now I work with personal trainers that do like six figures up and they work seven to three, seven to four, right? The shifts that people said you couldn't obtain and even more avenues because now they got their online platforms and they got their merch platforms and now they're a whole, they're a whole unit on their own, right? So what I realized was this guy was ex-military, all right? And then he became a teacher. What a horrible transition to do. Why? Because military is a very squared box mind frame. Because at life and death, you can't have people doubting a process. 
right? When you have, when it's face to face with death, it's you pull the trigger or that person's gone. You know, I'm not going too deep, not trying to go too deep. So I got it. I understood. When he was looking at my life, he was like, dude, like that is not, that is a liability. When you're 40 and 50, like you might not make it, right? Because your path is not a guaranteed path because that's how they teach us, right? You, you go to school, you learn to become an employee, right? And like, there's nothing wrong with employee. I've always said to them, first off, any entrepreneur that thinks they're not going to be an employee to their business is, is living in another realm. You know, my clients mean so much to me. They can call me at 10 p.m. or message me at 6.30 and, I'm, and I'm, it's on my phone, right? Because business now is way different, right? Like we were conversing at like 10 o'clock at night. We're here a Sunday, man. Which people work Sunday where it's 3 o'clock. This guy's working. For, he's helping me out. Like what a boss, right? So I think those are like all just new ideas. But if I listened to that guy, man, it would have really, it would have really put me in my place because at 20, I was really de- debating. I was living on my own, you know, I was barely making it by. And then it happened to me again, man, when I decided to launch Limitless Legacy. Um, it happened with another gym owner, believe it or not. Her name's Monica Tang. She owns like, a, she owned like, um, what was it? A Maison, the Club Maison in Gatineau and stuff like that. Uh, she owns the Anytime Fitnesses. Okay, so that's her. And she had said to me the same thing, man. She was like, I remember having zero money and like everyone in my life thought I was a failure. And when she told me that, that was 2015, um, I had like a mortgage and that, I had a partner on that mortgage and that person totally left me hanging, right? In the Glebe or Centertown, right? You can imagine that. So then I had to like reassess a process and then I remember, man, like Cheap Tuesday movies coming around and like friends were asking me to go out and like, I was like, oh no, I'm busy. I got a new client coming in the morning. I had like $3 in my bank, 321. I still remember one of those nights and I cried, man. Like, a, you know what I mean? Like a dude crying. And then I would tell myself like, it's not right for a grown man to cry, right? It's not right. And then the psychology on that is all wrong. So I had to flip it and I was like, dude, I'm not crying, but the inner child inside me is crying and that's okay. Cause you're not going to tell a child to stop crying. You know, you're not going to walk up to them and be like, dude, you're weak when the seven-year-old's crying. So I told myself, it's okay to cry, but let's, let's learn why we're sad, right? And let's try to adjust and move on for the next one. So, you know, that's pretty, those are some like major things, how I operate daily and like why I fuel the brand for legacy. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned how your clients are important to you and they can call you, contact you at any time. So how did you find these clients? Where did they come from? Like, is it just through working in the gyms and you meet people that way? Or like, how does that happen? That's like a process, man, you know, like, okay, this is brings us back to our original topic of like goal setting, like tangible goal setting. It's like, how long did it take you to get, you were saying your red blacks, uh, sorry, the Ottawa 67s. How long did that take? It was nine months. Nine months, right? And what was your beginning? We started at six and then when I finished, it was 17.2 thousand. Dude, he's the guy you got to be asking, not me. Realistically, that's insane. That's insane, man. Be- number one, because it's not even you. It's you're doing it for someone else. So number one, that to me, that shows passion. That shows the ability to be operative, to get things done. So in my eyes, you're not even a closer. A closer is someone that can get the ta- task done, but stresses about it, puts the stress on everybody, you know, makes, ev- makes sure everyone knows what, he's, what he or she's doing, right? You're, a, cl- you're a, a cleaner, bro. You're someone they put in that's like, this guy's going to get it done. We probably won't have to worry about him too much and his task will be amazing, right? And look at that result. That is a cleaner. That's someone every, 
Every Fortune 500 company hunts for. Headhunters look for that daily. Someone that can just stressfully operate because they know themselves and they know what they can contribute without stressing what their peers or their competition is going to do to disrupt them, right? Because they know this is my path. So, um, yeah, man, that's that's pretty good. Like for for the interaction for clients, like how to gain clients, it goes back to the original. You can we cannot fake what we're gonna do. It's like a guy on steroids saying he's natural. It's and then he goes and says, "I'm natural. I'm the world champion. I did all this. Never touched a drug." My freaking butt, man. You know how many people are, you know what I mean? Come on, bro. This is 2020, right? Don't need to lie to people anymore. You tell them that this is the required task in order to become Mr. Olympia. You cannot be a natural athlete. That's all it is, right? And it's like, so what comes down to it, like with the, the clients, man, now if you want to become a business owner, you got to be so authentic. Like I'm just a trainer, right? You know how so many, uh, growing up, I had a hard time accepting that. Because I think what my teacher told me when I was 20 is like, you won't be much if you're just a trainer. So like people would ask me what I am. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a fitness consultant or I'm a movement body. I'm a body movement expert or no, bro. Like you're a registered nutritionist and you're a, a licensed personal trainer. That's what you are. What you do within those, those like sections is on to you, right? But like that is what you are. So don't, you can't lie about it. And the beauty about Ottawa, what I'm realizing, man, is that it's hard to lie here because everyone knows everyone. You go to a city like Toronto, three, four million. Yeah, yeah, I'm a real estate agent. I know, yeah, yeah, don't worry. And then he goes and checks in at, checks in at like a, a computer store and he's just punching IT stuff. And then he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm a trainer, man. Online programs, check my website out, right? Like how many people do we know like that? So for gaining clients and consistent clients, like anyone who wants to be a trainer, number one is self-educate. I think most trainers forget to continue their education because they, they have this platform that they can market their education that they don't have, right? So when you get a client that's had multiple clients, like I bill at about like 95 an hour, right? And I, I require to see my clients three to four times a week. I have a couple at twice, but everyone else is three to four. Why? Whether you pay me $50 an hour or you pay me $100 an hour, if you see me twice a week, you ain't getting any results, right? If you see me three, four times a week, what I'm telling you is going to stick in your brain and then I know you're going to get a result. Like you said, writing the positive affirmations down. These people won't do it for themselves in fitness. They'll do it for themselves in the business or for their children, right? But for themselves, they won't do it. So I'm going to do it for them, right? So that's just the whole thing. And there was a book I read it's great for anyone who wants to start a business. It's called Oversubscribed. Okay. Great book, man. Because it taught me about not pitching too low. Not selling your services too cheap. You know, Walmart sells everything cheap. But they also get 50% of returns a day. Right? So their income is recyclable. They're not gaining very much. They declare a loss. They recycle. They declare a loss. They recycle. Right? For someone who wants a brand, that's the last thing you want. You don't want recycled, unused, unfinished, undervalued business. You want people that are going to come in five minutes early. Sorry, I was late today, guys. Horrible. I, I know. You want people who are going to come in on time and they're going to be ready for your business, right? So it, I think if you're just getting started, man, you got to hit all your platforms for getting business. The more platforms you hit, you look more credible. But in order to maintain the credibility, you got to go out and be the person, you know, like, we could have just said we're going to do a podcast, 
and not have done a podcast and somehow, I don't know, right? You're a talented guy. I don't know how that would happen, but I could see it happening, right? And so the fact that we're here today is already going to motivate and inspire other people to do the same and therefore they know we're credible and they are not afraid to refer somebody to us. That's it. Yeah. So when you're working with, speaking of motivation and inspiration, when you're with your clients, you're motivating them. But do you have any like inspirational stories from your clients of like watching them go from like when you first met them to where they are today? Oh man. Yeah. There's a few, there's a few, I like, I try to find my optimal client, right? So like in business, they say, find your niche. That's another one. Like it's hard to be, it's hard to be a pro at everything. Okay. So it's like find your niche. And when I look for that is I look for people that literally have so much potential Obviously, like I don't have people flowing through the door. So you maximize with your with who comes in. And the first thing is like no lead is a bad lead. You know this, right? And so I think my biggest one man was a, a lady who came in two years ago. She's been with me two, two years, three times a week. And she was telling me like she, she worked with this trainer. She worked with that trainer, okay? She had... She did have, she had like some, like some big surgeries done in like her, her hormonal sectors, like ovaries and everything like that. So she was a a bit of a case. Okay. But these people are fun because they've seen a hundred health professionals and like everyone has told them they can't because the health professionals, number one job is to hit you with reality. If you do it, well, that's great. But 19 out of 20 people that come to them with the issue can't do it. So their job is to tell you, you can't, you know, the lady, when I got her, um, she, she was like, she had a bunch of, not excuses, man, but she had a bunch of things she's tried and it didn't work for her. I've tried the everything diet. You've probably heard about that. I've done everything in the book, right? So I contacted, I was like, fair, give me all your old coaches. She was so taken off. I personally phone called every single coach of hers and cause she was trying to sign up for like a month at a time. And I was like, I want you after I call, called her coaches, I pulled the biggest flip card on her. I was like, I spoke to your coaches. At this point, I needed business too. So I, I was like, if she doesn't sign up, like I'm hurting. But I was like, I'm doing this because this is the true authenticity. I pitched her a year, dude. I was like, okay, 15, K for the year. You're going to see me four times a week and we're going to hit this goal. I called your old coaches. They told me all the things that you did. they did with you. Personally, I think you would have obtained your goal if you did everything you said you did. So if you want to work with me, this is the goal. This is the price for your goal. And if you feel like that's too much, then you're never going to obtain your goal. And it's not because it's the money, but it's because it's because this, sometimes people are committed to money too, right? Like, you know that? So when you pitch that, oh yeah, when you pitch that, I feel like she bought onto that a little bit, right? So I, 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 I showed her the year, she, she joined on. And because the investment was so large, like my investment to her was so large, I needed her to continue my business, to eat my food, to buy my groceries. So my investment to her was a thousand percent. When she gave me a thousand percent investment, right away I knew it was game time. I couldn't fall up on, I couldn't slip on her and she couldn't slip on me. I think in two years we've missed maybe four or five sessions because of last minute rescheduling. So those are like my favorite clients, man. She's such an inspiration to me. She's a mom of, of three. She runs two businesses. She owns a freaking low income hotel where she has over 150 rooms. Like think about the crap that goes through your mind every day, right? The stress. And she's been pumped on a bunch of different drugs from psychologists, psychiatrists, and just her and I being able to level with each other has, I've seen her drop 40 pounds over the two years, which they said she would have to do surgically to remove. We have gotten her off her anti-anxiety medication, which is $180 a month. 
right? Times that in a year, that's like a lot, right? You know what I mean? Two, three grand just on placebo meds, in my opinion. And so now that's my inspiration to take someone that feels so broken with no hope and like just provide them a little path. And if they can take the steps themselves, then it's like, it just reminds me that I need to keep moving forward when I feel broken, right? Because then other than that, other than that, we dwell in that, in that realm, right? She was like an inspiration to me because I realized that like, listen, man, someone that has so much bearing down on them, I got no kids, I got no family, I've got no major commitments to my life, then why do I feel so suffocated? I'm not dealing with the process properly. If I can tell someone like that to deal with their process, and they do, then holy crap, I got to do it myself. That's where the inspiration came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've worked with clients, man, that have come from very wealthy beginnings. And like they've got everything you could think of, man. They pull up in a BMW. They've got the sickest Under Armour leggings and the shorts and their baller shoes. And they got the belt that's like 180 bucks. They haven't squatted once. And I'm like, and then the second you break them down, you show them where they're where they're mechanically not operating in their own physical being on the nature on this planet, they leave, man. It crumbles them, right? And so that, those are the tough clients to work with. But I think you you have to have those clients because they even reconfirm what we th- what I thought about being a failure in my own mind. It was like, listen, they have all the tools. They got all the material that we said would make us happy. Yet, like, they're not coming to the workouts and they're not getting results. So what is going on, you know? So that, that's it. That's it. So I think like people that work hard, man, people that work hard and people that like tangibly try to work towards something, whether they hit it or not. Right. And, um, inspirationally, what I try to tell my clients too, man, is like, this is huge. Think about nature. It's like a force, right? Mother nature is a force. So a client of mine once was like talking about perfect repetition. And I was like, I personally don't think the perfect rep is possible. Because they have tied electromagnetic currents to the top athletes in the world. LeBron James, Steph Curry's jump shot, right? Uh, Joe Sackick's wrist shot. Everyone who knows hockey knew this guy, the killer wrist shot, right? And they neurologically could not stimulate the same result every rep. They couldn't. Mike Tyson, when he threw his hook, they couldn't. The fibers fired differently from the brain down. Sometimes the left toe rotated before the right knee pulled in, right? And the guy's a pro. So it was like, how do you tell the best of the best that you're not good enough because you can't throw the same punch or the same blow every time or you can't replicate the same day, day-to-day formula? And it was, it doesn't matter. As long as we continually practice with perfect practice in the fact that we know we're operating perfectly for ourselves, we'll get there. A thousand percent we'll get there. We're going to hit roadblocks, but as long as we keep throwing the same operating task day in and day out, like, okay, prep my meals. Okay, weigh my food out. Okay, go to bed eight hours. Okay, drink two liters. Fuck, this is hard. This is hard. In a month's time, you're going to get there. You're going to get better, right? Mm-hmm. So I, that's what I say inspirational, inspirational to the clients. I'm like, you're never going to have the perfect rep. The same weight today is not going to feel the same as next week, but it's the fact that you're continually doing it where we're going to get through it. Yeah. So speak to me a little bit on being, like you said, just a trainer. But by being, quote unquote, just a trainer, you're impacting people on an individual basis. You're making like lasting change on someone. So like, what does that mean to you? When you go to work, you know, that's what you get to do today. Like, you're not just a trainer. You're affecting lives. Like, how does that feel to you? It's good. It's good. It plays like it plays into the, the Darwinism a little bit, which is the 
survival of the fittest theory, which comes down to natural selection and individualism, and then that cellular protection of narcissism, all right? These are like the things why we do what we do, okay? Now, again, people look at narcissism as a bad thing. I personally don't think it's a bad thing because that is living our true nature. You know, the lion is a freaking lion for a reason, right? It walks around roaring in its mane. No one tells it it's cocky. It just knows that's its role, right? And so... With that man referring back to like you're talking about, um, sorry, we're talking about the so about like you should impact your like clients. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. my fault. Yeah, impacting clients. Ramble, dude. I'm a rambler. So um, for the impacting a clients man was just that. Like I think personal training is the most undermined, undermined health professional practice in the world, and there's a reason for it because it facilitates movement. Most health professionals put you on a bed. Kairos, sit on my bed. Massage therapist, sit on my bed. Physio, sit on my bed. I'm going to get you to move your knee like this and move like that. Trainers, let's, let's get you lunging and walking. Let's get you lifting and planking and crunching and cardioing and sweating, right? Mm-hmm. You know? And so there are, there are three forms of detox, man, literally in our body. And it's, it's the triple P's, I call them, okay? Everyone needs to do it at least regularly. Not every day, but regularly, okay? So it's, it's not to be gross, but it's pee, poop, and perspire, my professor taught us that. When we do all these things, we come to self-healing practices because our body is excreting what it doesn't need. So if we go pee, poop, yes. But if we never perspire, we're not excreting things through our largest organ, like which is our skin. You know, So all this stuff detoxes through our skin, which is why a lot of holistic medicine go around saunas or, or steam baths and everything because they know we got to expel this crap, right? Um, and so like, man, when it came to like clients and it just... I felt like, dude, you got to, uh, sorry, about one last time. That's okay. It was about the it's about impacting your clients. Impacting, yeah. So impacting the man was, I think, yeah, coming back to trainers who have had this, like I got, I work with chiros and physios, so I got to be really careful. They know what I, they, I've, I've said this many times to them, but I liked the pride of, I like taking pride in the fact that I facilitate movement for people because we're like, we're not meant to be stationary, you know, like we're meant to move. And, and doing that, like when someone says like, okay, when someone says like, oh, you, you know, I feel great. Like you made me lose 20 pounds. That's not actually what makes me feel good. To be honest, what makes me feel good is like when people are intrinsically fixed on, um, deconditioning the bull crap that we have in our brain from social conditioning for hundreds of years. That's what makes me happy. Especially like, cause I work with a lot of females, like the, they have, they're riddled sometimes and don't shoot me if females are watching this because I love you guys but they're riddled with insecurities because they're in their head thinkers and everything socially is projected to them because they know women are in the head thinkers right so what that means like with with the women we don't have any mirrors in our gym and I'm a bodybuilder so like it's it's kind of weird right why don't you have a mirror in your gym because I don't want people looking at themselves when they're working out with me I don't care if your hair is like and your makeup is dropping down, right? Or like your shirt's on backwards. That doesn't matter to me because in the end of the day, do you want to lose 30 pounds? Yeah, I do. So in the end of the day, if your makeup isn't perfect and your hair's not perfect, are you going to lose 30 pounds or not? Yes, I'll still get there. That's the process. That's the mentality that we try to like drive into them, right? And that's why personal training for many, many, many years is, is not necessarily recognized. You know, like you can get, you can go see like, any health professionals on a healthcare plan, but a personal trainer. There's a reason to be said for that. Yet in the States, 
personal trainers are making more money than some of the highest paid doctors, right? And you wonder, well, why is that? Because they're actually showing people a portal to what life really is. Not, okay, you're clinically ill, you need uh, Xanol, which is the most common depressant drug. And like, we're going to dose you at this amount for this period. Like, no, you need to realize that when you put food in your body, it's hurting you, right? And you need to realize when you choose purposely not to move, that is hurting you too, right? Not only in the gym, but your your marriage, your so-and-so and so-and-so, right? Um, and those are the things that like inspired me, man, just to keep going because we all want to feel like what we're here for has a purpose, right? You know, it brings, comes back to that. And I think we all do. It might not be at like, you know, the what they're idolizing as like the greatest thing. But that's silly, man. You think about being the third party again. Remember we're talking about the three people? Mm-hmm. You think about being an alien. I know it sounds crazy, but they're on Jupiter and their TV channels to watch Earth, right? And then they see all of us grinding away all day for these little tokens so we can go purchase materialism that provide us the short monetary, the short uh, timeline of happiness. And the aliens laugh because they're like, how fast is that happiness going to burn out? This person bought this car. Let's see if this person stays as happy as the other person, right? Because the bigger thing is like when we start to pull ourselves away from it all, man, we begin to realize that we're all living the same path, just a little bit different, right? Like you and I go to work similarly, just a little bit different, right? And so we should never feel like inadequate, man. And we should never, I don't think we should try to compare like that overall performance and overall goal, man, you know? That's fair. Yeah. With having clients you can only reach so many people individually right because there's only so many hours in a day but you are able to reach people online through your social media yeah so like i mentioned in the intro your instagram's sitting around 32.2 thousand i think when i checked hey, this morning. it's getting there it's getting yeah. there yeah i like that man so when you say you started 2012 2013 is when you started to really take things seriously yeah so it's been a few years already mm-hmm. that's the thing like i forgot to even mention it because i ramble is that people like it's a process you know that 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 master the one kick for 20,000 times or you throw, you know, you throw one punch and one kick and now it's divided to 10,000, 10,000. So when you run into the guy that's just thrown that one kick 20,000 times, he's going to hit you first, right? And it's like, so the truth is we need to know what we want, learn how to be operative in the actual path to get it. And then don't, don't winder, don't like go off that path because there's going to be distractions, right? Mm -hmm. So with social media, I realized like the only way my brand was going to last is if I had an online presence, right? And the way to do that, I realized like, well, how do I be social on social media? So truth be told, I, I like having mentors. So I reached out to people, right? People that had 500,000 followers, you know, they had the blue check mark there. I would go on their website. I'd see that they're going to events. They're doing stuff, right? And they're like, dude, the number one mistake most social media people make is trying to live like they're already that person that everyone wants to be, right? Because people see through that. Like when you're too full of yourself or you're like, you're, oh, I'm that guy. I got 100K followers. It's like, yeah, but the other guy is 7 million. You know what I mean? So like what truth, like how are you growing it? So the person that told me was like, number one failure is people are not social. They'll throw content out there. And then they'll be like, I'm going to get 100 comments and 3,000 likes, but I won't like one person's post and I'm not going to leave one comment, right? So the first thing I did was I left comments on everyone in my industries. I'd see a guy from the gym I didn't even know. He'd post a workout video and I'd be like, bro, you're looking great. All of a sudden, he would leave a comment on mine and all of a sudden, he'd follow me, right? And then 
what happens is you, you end up creating this network where people want to see what you're posting and then you're motivated to post because you feel like you have an audience, even if it's 10 people, right? You get this audience and then that's how it really helped me. Now, there's another one that people probably have heard of about engagement groups, okay? Some people say, oh, it's a cheat, engagement groups. Personally, I think it's a good cheat. It's a good hack. It's important to understand you're not cheating by socially interacting, right? So... I like if you're trying to get out there, man, it's important to have a center of influence. So what I've done really well is I've created myself like I'm, I, I'm the admin on it. I love to get you in it if you're a game, but I've created a group of people that are like extremely self-motivated, extremely humble, and they are who they are, who they say they are in the industry. And they're willing to showcase other people that are passionate and doing the same things they are, but in other industries. So you can call it like a center of influence or a circle of influence, right? So we help each other engage in different demographics of other followers, right? So like how you gave me a shout out today and I gave you a shout out. These are important, man. If you think you're not going to be social and you're going to grow a social media platform without spending time on it, you're either going to run a program to do it or you're going to buy your followers because no one's going to follow anyone that doesn't interact with anybody else, right? You know what I mean? And so that is where I think like most... Most thing people have a hard time and like I you got to be about it, man. You know what I mean? Like you're actually out there doing it, right? Like I was following your stories the other day and you were uh, you were at the game, right? And you're like the first time I've been here as a fan, you know, I thought that was cool. You know, I thought that was personally cool to watch. Like you gave me I right away saw a little bit of your life, you know, and I'm like, oh, so I can follow that now. Like your next post, I'm going to be more likely to see it. That's it. So is that like so is that the shift you made then from because I think it was around 2012, 2013 to about 2018 you hit you went from zero to 16k, but then yeah. in the last year you've gone from 16 to 32. Okay. So you've doubled your following in the last 12 months. Like what was the shift you made there that kind of allowed you to start seeing get grow as much in a year as it, you did in five? Perfect, man. No, that's a deep question. I used to, okay. Number one was I had a guy analyze my page and he was like, dude, you look like a really cool guy to your friends, mm -hmm. to an, a third party. I have no idea what you're about. You post a picture of a lion eating a gazelle. You post a picture of a motivational quote. You post a picture of you working out. Then you got a picture of you and a girl and then you're in a club. I have no idea what you're doing. And I was like, wow, me neither. It hit me. I was like, I'm just kind of following the social media web of things. So I had to create a definitive content idea that was going to be on my page. First off, like the whole selfie thing was getting old, right? So like the big, the biggest thing is they told me like key things, tips, I'll say to you fitness guys and girls, stop taking selfies simply because like once in a while it's okay, but it shows the deepest route of narcissism. We get it. You look good. We get it. You cook your food. You do your cardio, share some content and how you got there, share the mindset in which allows you to obtain that. Right? So that was that I decided I wanted my page to be a motivational hub for people that felt like they needed it and for myself. So when I scroll down to like a post 12 months ago, I'm like, all right, Benny, let's go, man. Like, let's kick it into gear, right? And that was the big one. So monitoring the content I posted on my page, not just posting for the fact of posting. So if you go on some of my pages, like sometimes my posts, I posted the beginning of October, the second, and my last post was like with me and my girl like five days ago and I still haven't posted. And the, the thing is, is like quality control is huge. Right. I'm not worried about I'm not worried about getting like 100 posts out there where I think most fitness people are going wrong is they're posting four or five times a day. 
And that's because they're not actually in the fitness industry. They're solely just hiding behind a computer trying to drive marketing content, right? But if you're in the industry, man, your people that you inter- interact with are your referrals. They are your marketing, right? So quality content was the big one. And trying to find like a message, like if I want to post a workout pic and a motivational quote once in a while, you know, once in a while, because there's still the followers that look for that, right? The people that want that, that pump. Um, but, and then interacting on stories, Stories have been my biggest asset to growing because I learned that Snap, what's so important about Snapchat? You can't even post anything and leave it there, but they get the same usage level as Instagram almost, right? And it was like, well, why? And it was because stories, man. People want to watch a movie on your life, right? And like, not to hype up our life or anything, but this, that is what goes back to the same operating process of, okay, I want to be Benny's inspirational guy, but I don't have any stories to post because I'm sitting at home all day doing nothing, right? But then no one follows me, man. So it forces me to go out of my comfort zone and do the operating task to be the motivational guy. And then I gain followers in the end and then they retain, right? So it's just a circle, man. It's a circle. Too many people are not doing. They're getting stuck in the what if and the how am I going to without the operational task of just trying to do it. And reassessing and then doing it again, reassessing and do it again. How many times did you need to do a podcast before you were like, okay, I'm sick at it. Like I'm yeah. doing them good. Yeah, it's true. Take some time, right? It's Take just, some time, it's man. Getting your reps in. Getting yeah, bro, that's it, man. Getting your reps in, dude. Like it's rep by rep by rep, we get better. So post by post, I was like less engagement, more engagement, less engagement. I re- I'm shameless, man. When it comes to social media, I reach out to massive accounts, and I'm like. Bro or girl, you've got a sick account. I would love for you to shout me out on your story and I'll shout you out on my story for even 24 hours. I don't. I have zero shame in that because my end goal, I get it. Some people are like, dude, that's not cool. That's not how you should do it. It's not authentic. What is your end goal, man? Your end goal is to be known for something, right? How are you going to do that? You got to do it this way. This is the process of getting there, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, interact, man. Um, Talk to people, right? Like, talk to people, man. Like, sometimes I'd ask, my, like, you know that whole, like, ask me a question thing? Yeah. I try to do that for today, and no one wrote me a question, so I'm creating my, this guy created his own questions. But that that's a good tool, I think. That's, like, a great tool to help people know what to go to next. Absolutely. And yeah. you talk about how, like, it's your content. You're not as, like, everyday with your content. You had someone evaluate your page, and you changed your content. So what's your process now for creating that content? Do you do like every Monday you're in the gym and you take some photos of you working out and you do different things and that's your content for the next two weeks? Like what's your process when it comes to creating? So that's good, man. Like I did a lot of, um, I have to get more structured with a process. I used to like, uh, you remember Facebook statuses? Like I used to put like motivational quotes back in the day and I never knew Facebook would reintroduce the memory, mm. right? So like now I'm getting quotes from when I posted when I was like 21, your age, 22, eight years ago, six years ago. And I was like, damn, I was a motivational, (laughs) right? No, so it's like I was driven back then, right? And that just reignites the fire right now. So here I am like eight years ago, you post that, you think nothing's going to come of it, right? Um, Well, the digital world records everything now, which is pretty wild, right? You're just saying you're processing things two times faster. This guy, it's intense. But so like that... Con- like content is king and I really think it doesn't matter what content it is as long as it's relative to the the niche or the, the objective you're trying to get, right? So like whether I post a picture of me making a meal and then I put the ingredients underneath, that's content, right? Or whether I post a workout video 
demonstrating a specific muscle group or exercise, that's content too. So well diverse content is 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 solid. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. And like that's more more content. Man. The reason why I say more content is because it it, it it you're gonna have content after this podcast, right? So what will people know? What will your followers know? Or the people that like your friends and family? They're gonna know you did something. You actually did something, right? And that intrigues in their nature the actual intriguing portion of like why we want to see something, like what we want to learn something, right? So again, like you, I think content is king just by actually doing stuff, man. It's huge. Why my followers exploded so big, like about 16,000 in a year, right? Was I was pushing hard with branding. So I I try to align myself with companies that were very big. So like um, luckily I got onto Cellucor and Extend. They're like the number one selling supplement company in North America. So they just launched their own line in like Walmart, Costco, Loblaws. So like this for me is huge, right? Because then it builds like this, it, I can get featured on their pages. They'll reshare my stories, right? Like now my audience is 1.7 million every time they show showcase my story, mm-hmm. right? And that's like, I gained three or four followers from that. And it's just like, bam, bam, bam. You do that every day. People sometimes say like your stories, man, like I see, I, I get it. You're taking Cellucor supplements. Good job. Like next thing. And I'm like, I understand that. But to Cellucor, this is a reoccurring thing. So they know I'm a pro, I'm an actual operational process. You can't get rid of someone who's an operational process. What that means is it's hard to get rid of someone who becomes an asset, you know? So like I try to become an asset to every brand I co-brand with. Hemp Proof here in Gatineau. They, before they even launched anything, I was like, let's do something at the Shaw Center before they even thought about it. I was like, let's just fucking hammer it out, man. And then within two weeks, they had a booth. We were the best booth there. We had balloons on our back. Other booths were coming to us, asking us to stay in our booth because people were coming to us. Like when we were moving around, they're like, hey, like people are walking past our booth. I'm like, well, I don't know. You don't got anything. Like we bought balloons, everything, right? So like that shot up. And then my page got featured on the Shaw Center page. Right? And now it's all of a sudden, like, my page is going to get featured on your page now, right? I might get some CFL fans. I know I don't play football, but that's it, right? Like, I, you know, my uncle did, though. My uncle did. So th- that's how it is, man. Like, branding yourself with sick brands and things you believe with. I've uh, had, like, some, like, marijuana companies reach out to me, right? Because they're like, oh, I bet you, you know, be your holistic guy, you smoke marijuana once in a while. And it's legal now. And I, so I say, once in a while, yeah, it's not a by any means an everyday thing. Once in a while... So then they're like, yeah, but these supplements will help the, the everyday smoker and stuff like that. And like, here's the monetary benefit, you know, $500 a month, you know, that's about, you know, 6,500 a year or 600 a year and bonus up to a two grand. Wow. Eight grand just posting a year. Right. But what I realized, I'm like, that money might make me lose money elsewhere because it's just not the brand you want to be with. Like, it's not what you want to market to people. Right. For me anyways, because I'm not that person. So co-branding man and 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 literally man it's okay to not be number one all the time social media breeds this like go to my page and i'm number one i'm okay being number five i'm okay being number 10 as long as there's a conglomerate idea and that idea is moving towards like something in the end right mm-hmm. and that's the process bro like uh, we have to accept is that we're part of a process and that process is going to lead to a result you know yeah and so when you're working with these companies, like you mentioned, how you aligned yourself with big companies, mm-hmm. like Cellucor is what it's called, correct? Yeah. So yeah. 
What's it look like in terms of collaborating with these companies? Do they reach out to you? Do you take the time to reach out to them? I know you said you'll message like people with big accounts asking for shout outs. So do yeah. you reach out to these brands asking to collaborate? Or do you just kind of wait for them to come to you? What's that whole process look like? So that's great too. Like, so one of the big things, like I pretty much said, like, what do my followers need? Mm-hmm. You know, probably health supplement stuff. What do I need? Health supplement stuff. So literally right away, I try to find companies that like I want to brand with to provide me those things, you know, like complimentary, like, um, just deals and stuff like for it. So with that, with those big, big brands, man, it's like, I'm okay to reach out to them. There was a company that from Sweden, he was in my engagement group. Okay. David was his name and he released black pods, the first licensed black pods off Apple. All right. So when he, when I checked all of his copyrights and legalities, I messaged him like a hundred times. I was like, Dude, dude, I want on your team. Guy's got like 80K followers. You know what I mean? Like he literally has a Lamborghini already. Like he's from a very, he does well off. Yeah, you know you do and everything like that. So this guy, why would he want somebody like me, right? So I wrote him literally an email being like, listen, I'm in the gym every day. Like a lot of my followers are in the gym every day. I like new hip trendy things. I am who I say I am. Let's run a partnership together, right? So at first he provide the pods. And then I post, post, I like try to get friends to buy them. I try to get family to buy them because I like them. And I was like, dude, these are good. Like you, you told me you're looking for sick headphones. These are dope. Right. And then they're like, "Mm," you know, people start buying them. They start realizing it's real. It's actual product. Then these people start giving you monetary benefits because you're actually doing a process for them. Mm -hmm. You're becoming an asset for them. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm okay to reach out to companies, man. Like I think like there is a million fitness gurus, there are a million, you know, YouTubers. So what separates me and you from the rest is the hunger to be the actual end result that we want, right? So if I got to ask a company to work with me because I like the core values of that company, where's the shame in that? I think the shame in that is allowing that negative self-talk because some third party person one day in your life said like, dude, that's like, mooching or, or that's like that's what weak people do like oh you dude beggars do that do go to companies and ask for help i'm like do they really like when pc financial almost went bankrupt this year and they asked liberal party for 400 million dollars to pay off their debt otherwise they went bankrupt were they sad about asking about it no they weren't so do they have debt none so that's the thing right they that is that how do you get to that massive level of growth is knowing that it's okay to ask for help Right. And I like I wasn't good at social media. So now I know, man, it's like content brand with big companies. Get out there and do what you're saying you're going to do and literally push yourself, man. You know, like whatever you want. I don't want to go to the gym, man, all the time. Right. I was like it was rainy. I'm like, I'd rather just have a nice like five cups of coffee and then just roll into this podcast. Right. But I knew in order for me to like say the things I want to say with confidence, I had to get that process operating again. Right. To make me feel like I am who I say I am. Yeah. You know? And so when you're working with these companies, what makes a positive experience when you're working with a company versus like a negative experience? Like this, like that was all good advice for like individual creators, but flip the script a little bit. So if you're talking to like someone that works for a company that's working with someone like yourself, what makes that experience positive versus negative? 
working for the company like, no, or sorry, the company working. Like advice that you would give to someone? So like, say a company wants to reach out to you. Yeah. What would your best advice be to make that experience a positive one versus a negative one? Like, for example, like if a company came to you, like, we want you to advertise this, but you just basically post this on your account with the caption they're going to give you versus like give you creative freedom. Like that's one example of what would make it positive versus negative. Like, is there anything in your experience that you would add to that? I think it's like similar to what you do because you make your posts, right? Mm-hmm. So like, do you, do you have guidelines when you make your posts? Not really. No, eh? No, like you just kind of know what to throw up there. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty neat. Like I think a lot of big companies just want people's creative um, nature to come out because then it's authentic, right? So the best companies, like for example, Hempproof, they're a CBD, licensed CBD manufacturer. So I can only say certain things, right? So for that content, it's very kind of like script like but then people will appreciate the fact that we're giving like this is the real deal okay there's no it's not going to cure your depression like that right you know what i mean but like these are the things that'll help you with and then i think there's other things like where you can kind of project like i like when companies allow you to project an image so like i just i filmed like a commercial 30 second snippet coming out with the black pods about like putting them in and like how i'm training with them and stuff and it's like that's that could give like a whole cool little like to the viewer, like this little free feeling when I put materialism again a little bit, but when I put those in, I'm going to feel great, right? So I like when companies allow that that freedom, but I also enjoy when a company gives you a guideline mm-hmm. because then that means they know where they want to go. Sometimes when a company gives you a product and they're like, post on it, it's because they have no idea where they're going and they want, it's kind of like a recall on a vehicle, right? When a car company puts out a vehicle, they haven't tested all the vehicles, but then they get like, you know, brakes didn't work or like my lights went off in the middle of the night. Then they're like, oh, bring those cars back. We're going to recall them. We're going to fix them. Right. And I feel like that is kind of like what some companies do. Like when they have a lot of money behind them, they pump out crappy products. They let people pump them out. And then they see what the result is, not caring that they're tarnishing the reputation of the person that is pumping out that product for them. So just monitor. I get it. Everyone wants to be part of something. Stand alone first. Be comfortable being a nobody. Because in the end, we're all an individual, right? So once we're okay with that, I'm a human. I'm a boy. Jacob's a human. He's a boy. You know what I mean? Like once we're okay with that, then it really doesn't matter what a company throws at us because then we know our ethical standard. Right? Like that's it. That's all, man. Yeah. How do you feel about Instagram removing likes? And removing likes. That's deep, man. That's deep because I took, I'm going to be honest, I took pride on my likes, right? So, um, like, I think my buddy ran a social bot that analyzed my account a few weeks ago at Starbucks. Devin is his name. And uh, he did that for TD Bank for many years. And it was nice to him to run the same uh, software on mine. And he was saying, like, you know, averaging about 20% engagement. So, like, it's decent numbers, right? So, I was like, that's pretty sweet. But they removed the likes and I get it. I totally get it, man. Why? Because Instagram was becoming a, like a, it was handicapping people, right? Because many people were not raised with the right social, emotional, mental conditioning. Like we were told like happiness is important and pay attention to how you feel. Well, when I go into work, if my boss yells at me, man. You know what I mean? I still got to do what he says. Otherwise, if I say you man i'm not happy right now i'm gonna be really not happy when he fires my ass right that's it man that's all so um just 
when you, you're talking about the Instagram, yeah, oh, fuck, man, it's tough, right? I think like if in the end of the day, man, like content comments are king. They're the new future because it shows interaction. So comment, man, build it and likes. They are what they are. Like it's tough, right? Yeah. Super tough, man. Like I, I have a, I have a, I'm a 50, 50 on that. I know the psychological damage it was causing the general population mm-hmm. that didn't understand what Instagram was as a tool. And then for those that are trying to pump out product because they're utilizing Instagram as a tool, they've handicapped them from being able to show their effort and what's differentiating their effort from the next person because now they got rid of all the likes, mm-hmm. right? So it's like they're kind of playing the, it's, it's an equal game, but it's not equal game. So I don't, I don't know, man. You know, like, where do you feel about it? Personally, I, think it, I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. I think it creates, like, like you said, a level playing field where... It doesn't matter how many followers, how many likes you have, because no one, no one can tell how many likes you have. So just put out content, because even if it doesn't do well, no one's going to know. So it allows you to create the content you've always wanted to create without the fear of people seeing that no one liked it. Okay. Because no one knows, you know what I mean? I feel that. So it just kind of opens up the door to allow people to create whatever they want and not to feel judgment when they got nine likes, but the person they go to school with got 500. They can't tell. So they just keep creating what they want to create. So like... Question for you then. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we assess whether our, our content is good or not? How do we assess whether our content is good? At the end of the day, I don't think you should just be creating content for vanity metrics. True. So, fair. I think, like I said, I think you should create the content for yourself. Well said, guys. Well said. I think at the end of the day, if you're working with a brand, like, you can still technically see your own likes. That's true. So, I think That's at true. the end of the day, if you want to base likes as a vanity metric, which there's other things factoring into it, algorithms, whatever it might be, yeah. but you can still assess your own content from that perspective. It just allows you to not compare what other people are doing and, oh, if I may, may, like, post this kind of photo, it's going to get me more likes. I don't really want to, but I'm just going to do it to get likes. Yeah. You're going to create what you want to create and then you can evaluate based on that. It's a machine, man. Mm-hmm. Like what you just said is, is the social conditioning of Instagram. It's like, you, that's where you got to know like who you are and what your purpose is on Instagram. I tell myself I would never create an Instagram account just to have one. Never, ever, ever. Because that is like the word, like you'll get lost in that, right? Because if you don't have a purpose the second you open the app, like what do you go on LinkedIn for? You go over to look for work. You go to network with other professionals that can benefit you. You don't go on there just to what color of clothes are they wearing today or what, right? You have a purpose. So when people go on Instagram for a social tool, mm-hmm. I feel it can be a little more detrimental to their overall performance, which is why they remove the likes. Okay. But then think about it. The best of the best in the world breed off of authenticity, right? So now you're saying that, say you get, you get a race, man, and, you, and, and the first person gets a ribbon and the last person gets a ribbon. What motivates the first person to train every single day to become first. And what motivates this person who is lazy not to stay last? Do you know what I mean? Like, so there's two types, man. Like, as the I have a, I have two sides of me, okay? I have my mom's side, which is like everyone is equal. People need to be happy, love your neighbor. She's I'm Roman Catholic, I was baptized, I understand all those. And then I have my dad's side. My dad's side came from Hong Kong during Civil War, right? He spent a month in a boat, right? And then he spent three months in a camp here in, in BC where they fed them uncooked rice. Okay, this is like 40 years ago. It's not that long ago, right? 
So when he looks at me and he's like, dude, like you need to be extremely competitive because there's a part of the world that appreciates competitive nature. Okay. And then there's the part of the world, like when my mom's like, no, you need to relax. You need to enjoy life a little bit. Right. Then there's, there's obviously the part of the world that enjoys that too. But if you're trying to brand yourself and you're trying to hit a competitive industry, stop trying to live the life of the guy that just wants to chill and make it. Cause it's not like, you know, I remember this one quote, man. It was like, you know how they tell people you can be anything, but you know, to be an astronaut, how many kids want to be an astronaut, but it's the, actually one of the hardest jobs, right? Because of visionary, the, the eyes, I don't have good eyes and rocking contacts right now. Okay. And so it was like, I want to be a contact, but I wanted to be an astronaut. Right. And they're like, sorry, your eyes are not like better than 2020. Like you have zero chance of being one. So like imagine I spend my 20 years, like my first 20 years or 22 years of life and everyone's telling me I can be an astronaut. I'm broken, man, when I go apply and they tell me like you have zero chance. But if someone raised me a little differently and, say, and said like, you know, like you, you might not be an astronaut, but doesn't mean you don't have a purpose or a value, right? That automatically tells me like, okay, I might not be an astronaut, but I can still provide value to myself and to the world, you know? I don't know, man. It's different. So that's why I think competitive nature is good, man. And likes, they're hit or miss. Content. Here's the thing. Like if you're doubting your content already, then I don't know if you believe in what you're posting. Mm -hmm. Truthfully. Truthfully, come break it down even further. You haven't talked to the inner child yet and being like, is this what we want? Or are you doing this because she has 500 likes and you only get 100? Right? You know what I mean? So like... That's where I get it. Social media is very detrimental because people mass, right? We follow the masses. So yeah, but I get it, man. I like that. I like what you said about removing the fear of producing a content. I think that's like one of the best things that could have done for anybody. Thank you. Um, I'm glad you agree. Yeah, man. No, totally. Totally. I wanted to ask you what's next. What do you got coming up? Okay. That's, that's good for, that's a a great thing. Um, My biggest things, man, what I'm trying to do is really, I've been working really hard on the website I've been told like a few months ago we were supposed to meet and I was like, oh, I don't want to meet until my website's done. Where a few months later, I did not operate that well on that task. No, I'm kidding. I've been operatingly doing really good work towards that. So I just want to brand, get the, get the word out there, um, get the clothing line out there. That's my biggest goal is I love apparel. So I think like that's the next step for, for my branding is really um, pushing the apparel line. I know there are thousands and millions of companies, but I'm not comparing myself to them. Like, again, it's just... That's what I like, right? I like fashion. I like putting on different things. So going through that process um, and then looking to compete again, man. Awesome. Yeah, because I have a lot of followers that like kind of start following me from there. Um, and I took some time off of that because I felt like competing was not congruent to my goal of running a business. But what I realized is they're like, they're a synergy, you know? Yeah. Got to be the, be the brand type deal. Mm-hmm. That's it, man. Uh, love, live life, bro. Live life a little bit and continue learning. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to keep learning, man, honestly. And um, I like this stuff. Like, I love getting out there and doing podcasts. Like, this is my actually my first one. Oh, dope. So, thanks for that. You know what I mean? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, and uh, this helps, like, see this process here helps me understand what I am passionate about. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, do I like public speaking? Do I like talking to someone about myself? Like, that's the process I need to go through and that everyone should go through, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in order to figure that out. So, um, continue to lift the legacy, man. Honestly, become better at operating 
and just continue to grow the brand. I want to travel more. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I started the brand, I haven't traveled in four years. I haven't left Canada in four years since I opened my company. And it was just because there was fundamental requirements that needed to be accomplished first, you know? And yeah. so now I realize, yeah, traveling's see more things, man. See more things. That's awesome. Yeah. And before we wrap up, I ask everyone the same standard questions. Okay. So it's a little Q&A. Um, the first one being, you're going to dinner. You can take three people. Anybody dead or alive, who do you take to dinner? Dead or alive? Anybody. My grandparents. Yeah. Brother number one. Um, to see, I would love to see their reaction mm-hmm. as to what our world's become. Because they they've been gone now for about ten years, and because I miss them, you know, and because I know they'll re- reignite that passion for life, mm-hmm. just to see and hear everything they went through. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that answer. Thanks, man. Second question: What's some of the best advice you've ever been given? Uh, best advice ever been given is don't lie to yourself, mm-hmm. and so that could be like coming from the victim mindset, you know, being feeling like. Uh, you know, you're at a lesser cause, whether you didn't grow up in the wealthiest family, you weren't given all the opportunities, you weren't growing the biggest, the strongest, is don't lie to yourself about your capabilities and what you're capable of doing. When your alarm goes off in the morning, yeah. what motivates you to get up and out of bed? That's huge, man. Honestly, the motivation that gets me up every freaking morning, man, is to get 1% better, mm-hmm. literally. So what that means is, is get more excited about the day that I have. And so when I go to bed at night, I know in the morning I'm like excited to get up and, and recreate it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome what is one thing about you that people would not expect I'm secretly trying to go vegan okay. and I know a lot of people think like bodybuilders are meatheads or we eat a lot of meat but like it's been about a month I've been working with a vegan coach transitioning over mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of food intolerances that can happen if you just swap completely um, but yeah I'm trying to go full-fledged vegan and compete as a vegan because I believe there are no, I have nothing against meat. I just believe there are a lot of ethical things and uh, that I believe I can live without it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's, yeah. all. That's what's, all. What's one thing that's so important everybody needs to know? If we're going to refer back to this, man, our, our possibilities here are limitless mm-hmm. and it all depends on the steps that we take today. That's what our, your legacy depends on. So I think everyone needs to know that. We have the power to create some form of life that we'll love, mm-hmm. right? For ourselves. So we have the power. That's it, man. Final question. Yeah. I like to flip the script a little bit. Oof. So if you had a crystal ball, yeah. you could see the answer to any question. Oof. What is one question you'd want to know the answer to? Ooh, that's a good one, man. That's a deep one. Like you don't know answer right away. I would honestly say like probably um, what's next. Mm-hmm. I'd want to know what's next for us. That's interesting. Yeah. Awesome. You know, mm-hmm. are we alone or are we not alone? Is there something else or not? Yeah. Because these are the things that go through people's heads often, right? You know, it's like that deep, that deep thing that no one wants to really address because we don't know the answer for. But if we had that answer, how different would that change the way we function on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. I think that would be cool. It's like the biggest truth that we'll never know. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. Yes, sir. And I want to give you the floor, plug everything and anything you got right now, man. Where can the people find you? Okay, guys. So I appreciate that. Um, my Instagrams are at Benny Legacy or at Lift Your Legacy. Uh, you can find me on YouTube as well, which is Limitless Legacy. Um, and then also, guys, you can find me on Facebook at Lift Your Le- uh, at Benny Legacy as well or Limitless Legacy. I have a Facebook page. And soon, guys, I'll be promoting it out the lift your legacy page will be online which will be great you can get online programs there are video tutorials as well as apparel to purchase 
Awesome, man. Well, I want to thank you once again for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. It was a blast. It was a blessing, a blast. And uh, it's great to know there are like-minded people in our city mm-hmm. and we can actually like continue to do this and, and make these, these adventures happen. Right. And it's not a boring Sunday, man. We recreated the Sunday. So that's it. Yes, sir. Awesome. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Whether you've listened the entire way through, you've only listened to bits and pieces. I really appreciate you taking time to check this out. Everyone do me a favor. Go and follow Benny. Check out his Instagram. Subscribe to his YouTube. I'll make sure everything is linked in the show notes down below. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. My DMs are always open. If you'd like to follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at at my social life podcast or on YouTube by searching up my social life. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.